The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is a treasure and a gift beyond compare. Every passage of it points to a marvelous truth that God's love for man impelled him to step out of eternity and unite with his creation in order to redeem him from sin. Jesus Christ is both the author and subject of this precious word. Join us at the Superior Word each week as we search out this wonderful gift in search of Christ Jesus. Psalm 17, a prayer of David. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you, from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings from the wicked who oppress me, from my deadly enemies who surround me. They have closed up their fat hearts with their mouths they speak proudly. They have now surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes crouching down to the earth as a lion is eager to tear his prey and like a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, confront him, cast him down, deliver my life from the wicked with your sword. With your hand from men, O Lord, from men of the world who have their portion in this life and whose belly you fill with your hidden treasure, they are satisfied with children and leave the rest of their possession for their babes. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. We're in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 16. This is entitled, The Battle of Jericho, part 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its kings and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout, 
for the Lord has given you the city. While most of you were out having a fun day off on July the 4th of 2022, I got to sit in my chair in front of the computer and do my regular work, uninterrupted by vacation, sickness, or holiday. In fact, it's certain I had more fun than all of you combined as I went through the verses. And guess what? The same thing happened this past Monday because it was another holiday. And while you were playing, I was working. People sped by on boats and jet skis. The smell of barbecue permeated the air, hanging heavily all around Siesta Key. And Sergio attempted to entice me to join him at the north end of the island in a place that he and Rhoda had rented for the day while they had visitors. I blew him and all of the other temptations off, focused with laser concentration on the task set before me, and began typing about the coming destruction of Jericho. After an hour or so, I realized the parallel between the two events and sent a quick note to Sergio saying, I just realized I'm typing Joshua 6 and today is the 4th of July. They fit. Shout with a great shout at the victory of the Lord. America was established undoubtedly and without question by the victorious hand of the Lord. Our squandering of that blessing in no way negates the miraculous and divine intervention that was experienced by those who set out to make this an independent nation. After sending Sergio my message, I got something touching back from him that was penned by one of our great founding fathers, from Samuel Adams. I conceive we cannot better express ourselves than by humbly supplicating the supreme ruler of the world that the confessions that are and have been among the nations may be overruled by the promoting and speedily bringing in the holy and happy period when the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, may be everywhere established and the people willingly bow to the scepter of him who is the Prince of Peace. Amen. That hasn't happened yet, but it probably is not far off. Our text verse comes from Colossians chapter 2. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. There is this theme that has been running through the Joshua sermons, and which is based on what transpired at the end of Deuteronomy when Moses died. And of course, that is based upon Israel's transgression all the way back in Numbers 14. Notice the progression of thought, circumcision, baptism, sins forgiven. It is all pictured so far in Joshua. The law cannot bring anyone into the promise except in Christ's fulfillment of it. And because of his work, the promise is not only available, it will come to pass for all who come to God through him. This truth continues to be seen in Joshua 6. Although it is late afternoon on the 4th of July for me, and I have not yet figured out what is going on in this chapter, things have become a bit clearer. I'll keep talking to the Lord about it, and hopefully, in a week or two, the chapter will be finished, and it will all fit together. For now, it is certain that we have a whole heap of verses to get through. For you, it's sermon time, Joshua 6. Great things are to be found in his superior word. And so, let us turn to that precious word once again, and may God speak to us through his word today, and may his glorious name ever be praised. I've got three thoughts for you today. The first is, the Lord speaks to Joshua. It's verses 1 through 5. Chapter 5 ended with Joshua encountering the commander of the army of the Lord. As we noted then, that may not have been a chronological event, but simply a logical placement based on the surrounding text. The text was clear that the events occurred in Jericho. If that is to be taken literally, then it would mean that it occurred after the attack began, while Joshua was in the midst of the battle. 
Regardless of that, verse 1 of chapter 6 is now a statement of fact that sets the tone for what lies ahead. Verse 1, now Jericho was securely shut up. The words are emphatic. Virecho sogeret ume sugeret. And Jericho shutting up was closely shut up. There is both the act of closing the city and then the continued closure of the city being detailed in the single thought. With the spies having come into the city and with the word that Joshua and the people of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground, it was a certain indication that a siege lay ahead for Jericho, the place of fragrance. As it says, the city was securely shut up, verse 1 continues, because of the children of Israel. The word because is an explanatory paraphrase. Rather, it says, mitne bene Yisrael, from faces sons Israel. The people of Jericho were fully afraid of facing Israel, and so they shut themselves away and secured the gates with bars and bolts. They were in total siege mode, hiding from the faces of the sons of Israel. And, verse 1 continues, none went out and none came in. This signifies a state of siege. The crops would not be tended to, any flocks in the fields or herds would be abandoned, and anyone who had not entered before it was shut down would be told to travel on to another friendly city, but they would not be allowed in. And more, those inside would be there for the duration. To lay siege to a city was often a lengthy and thus costly thing to carry out. As such, stores of food, a source of water, and time were the inhabitants' best friends during a siege. If the city inhabitants lasted until the invaders could no longer afford to stay and slowly be picked off, the city would survive. If not, exile, death, or total subordination was normally the result of being overrun. With this understood, the narrative now turns to Israel's side of things. Verse 2, and the Lord said to Joshua, the Lord addresses Joshua. Because of this, it is deemed by pretty much every single scholar that I read that verse 6-1 is parenthetical and that the closing of chapter 5 and the opening of chapter 6 are referring to the same conversation. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And then verse 1 is parenthetical. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And then, and the parentheses, and the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king, and the mighty men of valor. I disagree. The two accounts are completely separate. Chapter 5's conclusion was an encounter with the eternal Christ, Jesus, revealing himself to Joshua at a certain point in the narrative, which is not necessarily chronological. From 5, 13 through 15... Chapter 6 opens with a simple statement of fact concerning Jericho. That's verse 6-1. And then it takes up the narrative concerning Israel after their circumcision, which is verse 5-2. Observance of the Passover and the ending of the manna, which is verse 5-12. As such, the same formula is found as has been seen repeatedly through the first five chapters. The Lord speaks to Joshua. Joshua repeats the command to the people, and then the command is carried out by the people under Joshua's direction. The passage then ends with a statement of closure. In this case, it will be verse 627. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. But here, the Lord's introductory words are, verse 2 continues, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. The aspect of the verb is perfect. I have given. It is a statement of surety and completion. Joshua only needs to enter into the process, and the Lord will see it through to its end. With that, the Lord describes the scope of the grant. Verse 2 continues, It's king and the mighty men of valor. Malka gibore hechail, King mighties the valor. It is a way of saying that the king and all of his most powerful men have already been defeated by the Lord. Again, Joshua simply needs to enter into the process, and it will come to pass. Next come the explicit instructions. Verse 3, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. And go around the city, all men the war. It would be an unusual and notable display for Jericho to behold. There's no hint of attacking. 
just men of war going around the city. That is further described as, verse 3 continues, you shall go all around the city once. Hakef et ha'ir pa'am echat, circling the city, stroke one. The word I translate as circling is different than the previous clause. They are to go around, thus making a full circuit. The word pa'am signifies a stroke, as if on an anvil. It is thus something that marks out time. As unusual as this is, it is all the more unusual because that is all they were to do. Jericho would be mystified. And more, verse 3 continues, this you shall do six days. Each day for six days, the exact same thing was to be done. Nothing is said of Sabbath observance, and as such, it could be that the words are inclusive of a Sabbath, or the command ignores a Sabbath. Jewish writers who are generally not to be trusted say the city fell on a Sabbath day. It seems highly unlikely that the Lord would have them purposefully break the Sabbath by carrying things, walking great distances, and engaging in battle. In speculation, I would go with the idea that the words are inclusive of a Sabbath. Nothing says they are six consecutive days. They circled the city six times, but on the Sabbath, they observed the day and then resumed circling the next day. It would be hard to imagine they simply ignored the Sabbath. Either way, though, verse 4, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets, ram's horns, before the ark. Veshiva kohanim yisu shiva shofrot hayovlim lifne haaron, and seven priests shall bear seven shofars, the jubilees, before the ark. Yes. These are not the chatsurot kesef, or silver trumpets of Numbers chapter 10, that were to be used for signaling during war. Rather, these are shofars first seen at the giving of the Ten Commandments, and which are mandated to be blown at the time of the Jubilee in Leviticus 25. Keep that in mind, because when we get to next week's sermon, they'll help you out. Psalm 81 shows that they are blown at the new moon festivals and on the full moon during the solemn feast, meaning the Passover and or tabernacles. They are also blown at numerous other times throughout the Old Testament. The word comes from shafar, meaning comely or beautiful. One can think of the shape of a ram's horn like that of a woman, okay? She has curves, the ram horn has curves. All right, so there you go with that. We're going to hear this before the sermon ends, so Claudia is going to have to hold her ears really tightly. These shofars are then described as hayovlim, or the jubilees. The word yovel comes from yaval, to conduct or bear along, and that will explain what these are picturing. Because the shofar is affixed to yovel, or jubilee, It is telling us that this is a time of proclaiming liberty for the land. Those who possessed it will be dispossessed. Jericho is the beginning of that event. Verse 4 continues, But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And in day the seven you shall go around the city seven strokes. The meaning is obvious. Unlike the first six days, they are to walk around the city seven full times. All the while, verse 4 continues, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And the priests shall blow in the shofars. With the change from the first six days, the inhabitants of Jericho would know, without any doubt, that the battle was imminent. But they will have no way of expecting what was coming. Verse 5, it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And it shall be in the prolongation, in horn, the jubilee. This is the signal for the events to really begin. There was to be a long blast. The word horn is singular, even though the word they is plural. As such, it would be a terror to the people within, and it would be a sound of confirmation of the miracle of the Lord that was about to occur. Verse 5 continues, And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. In hearing you, plural, all of you, voice the shofar, shall shout all 
all the people, acclamation, whopping. The word terua signifies a great clamor, an acclamation, a battle cry, rejoicing, and so on. The idea is that of victory even before the battle has begun. One could think of our use of the word hurrah, or some people say hurrah, or hurrah, or huzzah, or booyah, and shouting out the victory. Whatever they shout, this is what they're to do. It is an acknowledgement that the victory is secured, and without a doubt, it is the victory of the Lord. Verse 5 continues, Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And shall fall wall the city under it. It's not falling flat that way. It's just collapsing under its own weight. No battering ram was needed. Rather, the description is very precise. The wall will simply collapse from below, leaving the city entirely exposed. It can be assumed that this was not the entire wall of the city. Rahab's house was on the wall, and yet they were unharmed. Further, unless Israel completely encircled the city, people could escape in the areas where it was not surrounded. As such, it seems certain that the walls came down where Israel was and in a manner that would allow them to pour in and utterly destroy all life within. With this in mind, it says, verse 5 continues, And the people shall go up every man straight before him. And will ascend the people man opposite him. Wherever the soldiers were, the wall would be sufficiently raised to allow them to ascend directly opposite to where each was. Each could rush straight in. As many soldiers of Jericho would certainly have been stationed along the wall, they would have been crushed along with the collapse and the soldiers would be able to rush in completely unopposed. The city is under siege and none go out or in while we prepare for that great and awesome day. Soon our battle plan will begin and then the enemy we shall slay. As we march forward, those armed go first according to the word and then the priests set out as the shofars they blow. Following them are the priests and the ark of the Lord making a circuit around the doomed city of Jericho. With us is the Lord our God. We cannot fail. Nothing can stop our destruction of the city, Jericho. We shall attack and we shall assail, and on to victory over the enemy we shall go. Our second thought today, Joshua speaks to the people. It's verses 6 through 11. Verse 6, then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests. They are words of immediate compliance. The Lord spoke, and now Joshua speaks. Vayikra Yehoshua bin Nun el HaKohanim, and called Joshua son Nun unto the priests. Joshua is mentioned 11 times in this chapter, and yet he is only called by his father's name this once. The name Joshua means the Lord is salvation, and Nun signifies to propagate or to increase. He now calls the priests. Verse 6 continues, and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Vayomer alehem seu et aron haberit. And said unto them, Lift to you Ark the Covenant. Notice that the designation is changed from the Ark to the Ark of the Covenant. The priests are to lift it up, verse 6 continues, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. Veshiva kohanim yisu shiva shofrot yovlim lifne aron Yehovah. And seven priests shall bear seven shofars, jubilees, before Ark Yehovah. Now the designation is changed again to read Ark Yehovah. When the Lord spoke, he simply called it the Ark. Joshua is conveying the words of the Lord, but he is stating each thing in the manner in which the situation demands. Verse 7, and he said to the people, the written Hebrew says, Vayomeru el ha'am, and they said unto the people. But sometimes in the Hebrew, you will have a written and a spoken Hebrew. And so that's the written there. Joshua gave direction to the priests, and then it can be assumed that the priests instructed the people to, verse 7 continues, proceed and march around the city. For consistency, I would say pass on and go around the city. Assuming it is the priests bearing the ark that are giving this instruction, they are telling the people to pass on before them and begin the process which will last for seven days. 
They then say, verse 7 continues, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. And the drawings off shall pass on before ark Jehovah. The drawings off signifies those who have been drawn off for battle, and thus they are armed. They are to pass on before the priests who are bearing the ark in the procession as it goes around the city. Now, from the command of the Lord to the command from Joshua comes the immediate compliance and fulfillment of the word. Verse 8, so it was when Joshua had spoken to the people. And it was according to say Joshua unto the people. Joshua spoke to the priests. The priests told the people to pass on before them. And now, according to the words of Joshua, unto the people, verse 8 continues, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. Veshiva hakoanim nosim shiva shofrot hayovlim lifne Yehova aru vetaku bashofrot. And seven the priests bearers, seven shofars, the jubilees, before Jehovah passed on and blew in the shofars. Everything is occurring in a specific order. The armed passed on first, from there the trumpet blowers pass on. Next, verse 8 continues, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And ark covenant Jehovah went after them. Everything is being done with military precision. One thing follows directly after another according to a set plan. And again, the order is next restated. Verse 9, the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets. The words essentially repeat the thought already expressed. Those who were drawn off, meaning who are armed, were first, and they were then followed by the priests who blew the shofars. However, the next words are extremely complicated. Verse 9 continues, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the gathering went after the ark, going on and blowing in the trumpets. It is unsure what the gathering is. It is a verb. Despite this, most translations turn it into a noun, and they say the rear guard. The same general thought is found several more times, such as in 1 Samuel 29, verse 2, where it says, And the lords of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed in review at the rear, the Hamaseph with Achish. It is also seen in Isaiah 52, 12, where many translations again say rear guard. Young's goes with the word gathering. For not in haste do ye go out, yea, with flight ye go not on. For going before you is Jehovah, and gathering, that word, you, is the God of Israel. Some speculate that this is, in fact, a rear guard. But that seems unlikely. It could be people that wanted to participate in the march, but were not a part of the battle. It could be those who carried supplies of weapons and bandages and other needed items for the soldiers who went into battle. Again, the same thought is used in Isaiah 58, verse 8. Then broken up as the dawn is thy light, and thy health in haste springeth up. Gather before thee hath thy righteousness. The honor of Jehovah doth, here it is again, gather thee. Verse 10, now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. The translation is close enough and the meaning is obvious. Joshua has strictly forbidden any type of noise at all. This is to be a completely quiet procession with the exception of the blowing of the shofar by the priests. Only when Joshua gives the command were the people to shout, and then they were to really let go. But until then, only, the only sound was to be the noise of acclamation proceeding from the shofars. Verse 11, so he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. The verb is not causative. Rather than he had the ark, it says, Vayeshev Aron Yehovah et ha'ir ha'kef pa'amechat, and went around ark Yehovah the city 
circling stroke one. The words are very precise. Even though the people perform their duties as instructed, the attention is on the ark. Verse 11 continues, then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. That was it for the day's activity. Exactly as the Lord had said to Joshua and exactly as he then conveyed to the people. One thing to wonder about is whether Rahab's family had all gathered together each day, anticipating the battle to begin. Mm. Depending on the number of them, could they all stay in her house? If not, all would have dispersed each day after the procession left, probably repeating this seven times. Nothing is said, but it is something to be curious about. With the words of this verse complete, the next verses re-explain the process that occurred for the next day. Listen to the sound of the shofar blow. It is telling us that the Lord is on our side. Here we are, circling around Jericho, ready to be an overflowing tide. Once a day, six times in all, we get up and circle around Jericho, waiting for the day when down comes the wall at the sound of the long shofar blow. One step at a time and around we go. Six days we do it and then back to the camp we head. But on the seventh day, we have a surprise for Jericho. On that day, we shall face the city and march straight ahead. Our third thought today is seven days. It's verses 12 through 16. Verse 12, and Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The note of rising early in the morning is probably anticipating the seventh day. Each day, the same pattern would be followed. But because of what occurs on the seventh day, it was necessary to set the pattern as being early in the morning from the beginning. As such, Joshua rose early, ensured everyone was awake and ready, and then the priests would bear the ark of the Lord once it was readied. Verse 13, then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And seven the priests, bearers, seven shofars, the jubilees, before Ark Yehovah. The order is reversed in the details, even though it is the same order as always. The Ark follows the priests with the shofars who, verse 13 continues, went on continually and blew with the trumpets. It is sort of a superlative concerning their blowing. Hochim haloch vetaku bashofrot, goings, going on, and blew in the trumpets. It gives a sense of non-stop blowing as they continue around the city. Despite the silence of the people, this was by no means a silent procession. It would have been a most disturbing sound to those within the city as the wails of the trumpets continually rose and fell with the breath of the priests. Verse 13 continues, and the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord. More precisely, it reads, and the drawn off went before them and the gathering went after ark Jehovah. It is the same order as always, despite having been referred to in reverse. One, the armed men. Two, the seven priests with the shofars. Three, the priests bearing the ark. And four, the gathering. And again, it notes, verse 13 continues, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. The words are very similar to those of verse 9. They give the sense of the entire procession simply moving forward and the sound of the trumpets unceasingly accompanying the movement. Going on and blowing in the trumpets. Verse 14, and the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And went around the city in the day, the second stroke one. It is a confirmation that as the Lord had instructed, so the people did. And more, verse 14 continues, so they did six days. Thus they have done six days. Exactly as instructed, so they did. Again, as noted earlier, nothing here indicates that they failed to observe a Sabbath. Several possibilities seem to exist. The first is that the days are not all joined together. And the Sabbath was observed at some point, such as day one, March, day two, March, Sabbath, day three, March, and so on. Or 
the Lord gave them a waiver to the Sabbath law, which I noted above seems unlikely. Or it could be that the distance walked was not considered a violation of the Sabbath, and the priests bearing the ark as a priestly duty is not considered a violation according to both the law and Jesus' note concerning it, from Matthew 12:5. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? The problem is that the soldiers carrying their weapons would not be exempted without a waiver. I would go with the first option, but others argue their own views. Verse 15, but it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early. The events of the seventh day are the reason for rising early each day. What will happen on the seventh day necessitates rising early in order to have enough sunlight to accomplish the tasks set before them. And so, verse 15 continues, about the dawning of the day, ka'alot hashachar, according to rising of the dawn. It is very early. In fact, verse 15 continues, and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. It says, kamishpat hazeh, according to the judgment, the this. In other words, it was determined that they should go early each day, and that is because of the necessity on the seventh day. It was set forth as an ordinance by the Lord in verse 4 that on the seventh day they were to go around the city seven times. The other days anticipated this seventh day, the ordinance given by going early each day. Verse 15 continues, on that day only they marched around the city seven times. There is an emphasis in the words, Rak bayom hahu shavevu et ha'ir sheva peamim. Only in the day the this, they went around the city seven strokes. The point is not that Israel marched around Jericho 13 times. The point is that they marched around Jericho six times once and once seven times. Verse 16, and the seventh time it happened. And it came to pass in the stroke, the seventh. Each circuit of the city was as if an anvil had been struck. On the striking of the seventh, events began to take place quickly. It was, verse 16 continues, when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, get ready, you've got to shout with me. blew the priests in the shofars and Joshua said unto the people this would have been the long blast mentioned in verse 5 and it probably would have scared the living daylights out of everyone in the city not only had the city been circled seven times telling them that today was the day but now instead of a continuous sounding of the shofars there is a long and prolongated sounding of them. There would be no doubt that this was the moment that they had dreaded. Hearts would have seized in the old, terror would have seized in the young, and horror would have seized anyone else with a modicum of sense in his head. But that sudden and ghastly sensation would be overcome by one even worse within mere moments after the command of Joshua was obeyed. Verse 16 finishes with, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Shout, for has given Jehovah to you the city. It is completely unknown how many people surrounded the city each day or on the seventh day. But even one-tenth of the capable fighting men would be 60,000 people. And it could be well less than that but supposing only 20,000 were drawn off for the battle, the sound of the shout would have paralyzed every person in the city with abject fear. Yes. And more than that came something that would have been so terrifying that there would not be a breath of hope left in anyone within the city except Rahav and those with her, as will be seen when we continue the passage next week. For now, let us consider that Jericho was destroyed because it was a part of a nation of people that had completely departed from what God expects of his creatures. He did it on a global scale in Genesis 6, and he has continued to remove miscreant nations and peoples since then. 
The Bible says that he will do it on a global scale again someday. Yes. And that is probably not too far off. Isaiah says that he will make man more rare than fine gold. People who keep track of such things say that there will be 8 billion people on earth in just a few months. They expect it's probably November. Imagine the magnitude of the carnage if even only a billion survive. The people of the U.S. are just like the people all over the rest of the world. We have left behind our Christian heritage and we are actively fighting against it. Will there be another 4th of July celebration? Time will tell, but every year we are a bit closer to the end. The people of Canaan had their chance and they blew it. The battle against Jericho is the first part of the destruction to come, but in the midst of it, there was salvation. And before the coming global catastrophe, there is salvation and escape from what lies ahead still available. I hope you would make the right choice and consider the holiness of God. We cannot stand before such greatness on our own merit, but God has made a way for us to do so on his merit. Come to Jesus Christ who makes this possible. This is what we need to do. This is, you know, who knows who's going to watch this sermon in the future and they want to know all about the Battle of Jericho. Well, I can tell you, it's all summed up in the word God's holiness. There is a reason why God is doing these things. First, it's to destroy the wickedness in the world. And second, it's to show us that there is release through the giving of his son, Jesus. Jesus is not only the one that provides salvation, but he's also the one that will judge the world. And you can be on either side of that. It doesn't make any difference to God. He sent Jesus to make sure that people had a chance. But you're the one that has to live with the consequences of your actions. Now, I said it doesn't make any difference to God, and obviously it does because he sent Jesus. But if you don't accept it, he's going to condemn you. If you think your skin is precious to him, it's not. It's not. You are the one that must come to Christ, and then you will be precious. But until then, you are just the object of his wrath. This is what the Bible teaches, John 3, 18. He who does not have the Son is condemned already. We have our choice to make, so please call on Jesus Christ. All of this is picturing Jesus in his work. I assure you, you'll find out next week, all of it, just like the past sermons have. Everything about this battle is pointing to God's love for the world, which is given in the coming of Jesus. Okay? So please accept Jesus. Believe that he died for your sins. Believe that he was buried. Believe that he rose again. This is the gospel. He died for your sins, meaning you're a sinner. He was buried, meaning he died with your sins and took them to the grave. And he rose again, proving he had no sin of his own and that your sin is no longer attached to him, meaning it is gone forever. That's, you don't think that's correct? Go to Colossians that we read for our text verse and it's right there. Let me read it to you again. It says here, He has made us alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Your sins are in the grave. He died on the cross so that you could have that blessing. Please call on Jesus today. Our closing verse comes from Amos 3. It is verse 6. If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? If there is calamity in a city, will the Lord not have done it? Next week is Joshua 6, 17 through 27. The city has got to go. Yes, it's true. It's entitled The Battle of Jericho. Part 2. Part 2. Thank you, Mike. That'll be our 12th Joshua sermon. The Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. It is he who has defeated the enemy and who now offers his people rest. So follow him and trust him and he will do marvelous things for you and through you. Okay? Amen. I will now give you a question. And I told you that this would have something to do with Lothar. Okay? Here's what has to do with Lothar. When he was here, he brought me a nice shirt. And I was very grateful for that. And I said, I want to get one for you too. And so we sat down and we went through shirts and he said, I want that one. And they said that it would arrive by the 3rd of September before he left. And of course, it did not arrive before the 3rd of September. And so he left. And then... It didn't arrive at all. And so I said, what am I going to do? I emailed them and I said, I haven't gotten this thing. And they said, would you like a call? I said, yes. And they called back and they said, it was a mistake. It was marked as delivered, but it wasn't delivered. It'll be there by 6 September. And so I said, okay. And 6 September came and went and there was no shirt. And so I 
went back online yesterday. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, yes, yesterday in the morning. And I said, I did not receive my shirt. <laughs> and so they said, we will refund you. And that refund was done that quickly. Okay, so I'm refunded. And then what happens? My father asked me to rebuild both toilets as he does each year because when you aren't in the house for a while and the house is really hot, the, the rubber goes bad and it leaks all over. So I just rebuild them for him every year. That's why my fingernails are gross. Okay, so I go to my dad's house and I go in and there in between two doors is this shirt and something else from my birthday three weeks ago. They delivered it to the wrong house. And so I had to go to Amazon this morning at four o'clock because I couldn't sleep that I had gotten money for something that I had gotten. I said, I'm not going to give this out to you today unless they get their money back. So I emailed them. They got on chat with me and they said, we can't do anything. It has to go through the budget people and they will email, uh, they'll uh, call you. I said, I don't have a cell phone, so you can't do that. They said, well, then we will email you. And I figured this matter is resolved. If they don't email, it's their fault now. But this says, thank you, Lothar, for not taking the shirt. It says, normal isn't coming back. Jesus is. Okay. If you can answer this question, I will give you this shirt. In Genesis 38... This is Genesis 38, and I'm looking for this person. Don't don't look in don't look in the Bible. Do not look. It says, um, uh, okay. It came to pass at that time Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Hera, and Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he married her and went into her. And then the account goes on. So this is the wife of Judah who bore Ur and Onan and Shelah. What is her name? It's not Betty. Okay, I'm going to tell you there are two possible answers to this. If you go to one Chronicles, I think it might be two Chronicles. I think it's one. It is. It's one Chronicles. Her name is given. Okay, and it, it, it's said in a certain way in some Bibles. I'm trying to help you out here. What? Maka. No, that's uh, Maaka is uh, the mother of Absalom or the daughter of Absalom or anyway. Okay, nobody got it. This was very confusing, but her name is not mentioned in the Bible. And I highlighted that during the sermon. I said, the most important person in this whole account, her name isn't given. That ought to tell you something, okay? But in 1 Chronicles, it calls her, and I would have given you credit for this, her name is Bat-Shua, which means daughter of Shua. So that's not her name, it's a, the, the title. Okay, nobody gets this today. I'm sorry, I, I knew I got confused with that, but I'm going to make this as hard as possible. You guys are going to have to start watching my sermons to get information, because I specifically highlighted that in that sermon. I said, listen... Everybody is focused on this one person and her name isn't given. There's a reason for that, just as there always is in the Bible. I got a poem for you and then we'll take yes. communion. This is entitled The Battle of Jericho, Part 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. That was pretty much it in a nutshell. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. None will be able to make a stand. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days, once, and nothing more. And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. They shall go. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall the trumpets blow. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the trumpets sound that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat all around. And the people up they shall go, every man straight before him, not running to and fro. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant according to my word, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city. Hear now my word, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord, 
advanced and blew trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them rearward. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets as they were going, and the rear guard came after the Ark, while the priests continued the trumpet blowing. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make your voice ring out, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So he had the Ark of the Lord circled the city, going once around. Then they came into the camp and lodged. This was not the day for the battle sound. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the Ark of the Lord, so they did do. Then the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually, and with the trumpets they blew. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets, all according to the spoken word. And the second day they marched around the city once, such were their ways, and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But It came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day, surely with that yawning sound, and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only the city they seven times marched around. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets as instructed to do, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given the city to you. Lord God, turn our hearts to be obedient to your word. Give us wisdom to be ever faithful to you. May we carefully heed each thing we have heard. Yes, Lord God, may our hearts be faithful and true. And we shall be content and satisfied in you alone. We will follow you as we sing our songs of praise. Hallelujah to you. To us, your path you have shown. Hallelujah. We shall sing to you for all of our days. Hallelujah and amen. Now we're going to have Sergio come up and he can uh, give you the communion. I'll put that there. I know that was confusing, but hey, if you had said she doesn't have a name, I would have given you the shirt. Okay? Um, We're going to appeal. The what? We're going to appeal. She's going to appeal, but it's definitely not Betty, okay? Her name is definitely not Betty. That's a big one because Lotar's a big guy, so it would fit you. So if you can just pay attention. Be ready for next time. You'll be ready for next time. Okay, Uh, we have communion today. This is uh, the Lord's Supper. It's observing the Lord's death until he comes. And so you want to uh, have you know, respect when you come up, and you want to think about what this means in your own life, that he actually had to die for your sins. Yes. Okay, But you can also rejoice at the same time, because Jesus died for your sins. Amen. All yes. right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to come here and to hear your word preached. We're very thankful that we are the redeemed of the Lord and we know that we are secure and we will not be going through the time of trouble that is quickly coming upon this world. But Lord, at the same time, we are sinners and we're in need of your grace and we're in need of your cleansing. So please cleanse our hearts before we take this, this most important meal that we take each week. May you be glorified in it and through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I did not push that button, so we need to go communion. Communion. Okay.